Welcome to the AZ Politicast podcast. I'm Steve Goldstein. Hearing your parents or other family members talking about current events and politics at the kitchen table was pretty common for many of us. Sometimes the words and ideas influence how we decided to vote. But at the very least, they made us more interested in following the news about elections, candidates, and government. A new study commissioned by the Sandra Day O'Connor Institute acknowledges the impact that moms have on their kids' early interest in current events and voting, but also how often the reverse has been true, that sons and daughters are influencing whether moms decide to pay attention, get involved, and vote. The report looked at approximately 580,000 Indiana residents. It's called New Evidence on Trickle-Down and Trickle-Up Influences in Civic Education and Engagement. In a few seconds on the AZ Politicast podcast, I'll talk with Liam Julian about the report. He's Director of Public Policy for the O'Connor Institute. Liam, let's begin with the what I'm calling the premise of the study. How concerned, I know the O'Connor Institute is quite focused on this, how concerned should we be about the lack of basic knowledge of civics in the U.S. among people of a wide variety of ages. I remember when Jay Leno was doing his late night show and they'd get a kick out of going on the street and sort of making fun of how little people knew. And I know Fox News had a variation of that as well. So how concerned should we be generally as opposed to laughing about it, being concerned that people don't really know some of the basics? Well, you know, at the risk of uh, adding to the the chorus um, of, of, you know, crisis, you know, I I think uh, pretty concerned um, you know, the Steve, the 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 data are are um are not good on this. You know, we 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 saw uh, the recent Annenberg study from uh 2022. Uh the, the results were that fewer than uh, 50% or less than 50% of respondents could name all three branches of government. And um so when you're when you're dealing with that level of sort of uh, where, where people just don't even know that sort of basic level of of uh, information about uh how our government works it's difficult to see how um you can get to sort of the higher level where people become really sort of deeply engaged in the process um so yeah and you know i think i think even more it it maybe bespeaks a level of um disengagement you know so i it's not just that you we should be worried about the the lack of facts, but what is the lack of facts telling us um, about uh, how engaged people find themselves to be in the process? How much of that needs to come, or ideally, how much of that would come from home, where you have some sort of parental uh, situation, grandparents, sibling, someone that's really interested. So you talk about this at the kitchen table. So that's a a great question. And this is... um, when you're talking about subjects like math or uh, English, uh, you know the the most of this comes from education you receive in school. It's a little bit different with civics uh, because the family does play such a major role in political socialization. Um, and so, yes, uh, that that we 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 need to be doing both, right? There needs to be uh, a focus both on uh, what's happening in schools, but also how is this uh, political socialization, as you say, Steve, playing out in families, what's happening at the dinner table? And that was that was sort of the basis for this for this study in many ways, to learn more about how political socialization works in families and how it's it might be possible for public policy to uh, sort of, um, I guess, build on what is already happening 
um, in, in, in those families and at those dinner table conversations. The results were quite interesting as it relates to whether um, it is just one direction, whether the mother in this case has more participatory influence on whether her children will be involved in voting and civics. And yet the study, the results were quite interesting in that depending on, it seems like socioeconomic factors, it can be a trickle up as well based on the children influencing the parents. That that's exactly right, uh, Steve. Yeah, the the really interesting of the uh, uh, finding of the study is that um, this idea of political socialization in families is not uh, a one way street. Um, so it is not the case that it's always the parents who are passing the torch, so to speak, to their children. It, it can be the case that children actually influence the political uh, participation participation and political culture of their of their parents. Um, and as you point out, yes, socioeconomics and uh, ethnic ethnicity uh, are are factors here. We looked at um, the, these we're calling these trickle up effects when children influence their parents and trickle up effects. Uh, we saw these um, uh, throughout our sample. But they were most pronounced in families where the student qualified for free or reduced price lunch. And they were also most pronounced in non-white families. Um, so that's that's a very interesting finding. Why did the study focus on mothers and not include fathers? Two reasons. The, the first was a simple, uh, you know, considerations with the data. Uh, we were looked at over 580,000 individual students it was much uh, clearer to us who their mothers were. Uh, we were able to, so we were able to tie all the students to their mothers where there was some discrepancy in some cases with the fathers. But uh, past studies have actually shown uh, that mothers uh, are the sort of major actors in the family when it comes to parental influence. So it sort of worked out in that sense as well. There are goals certainly connected to this. So how does considering trickle down versus trickle up when it comes to civic participation, how can that potentially get us, Liam, to a better place of understanding and perhaps participation uh, over the generations? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the first thing to be said is that there's, you know, much, much more to study here. Uh, our study sort of, I think, opened the door and, and I hope opened eyes of, of a lot of people to the idea that uh, as I was saying, it's not a one-way street. That they're that that children are their own civic actors, and that they can exert influence on their parents, just as parents can can exert influence on their children. But to your question, the there's a lot of uh, well, for, from a public policy perspective, there are several questions. One is, you know, how do we get people who have historically been less involved in the political process? How do we encourage those people to become more involved. Now, what our study showed is that the trickle-down effects, that is parents influencing children, were most pronounced in white families and were most pronounced in families uh, for in which the children did not qualify for free and reduced price lunch. Well, white families and uh, families where uh, the, the the children or the just the family in general is, is sort of more socioeconomically, um, is at a higher socioeconomic level, those are the families that traditionally are most involved in the political process, just in terms of voting and, and other uh, and other sort of uh, measures of civic engagement. So it really then we look at 
Well, you know, if we're trying to target specifically families that are are less involved, these trickle up effects become even more compelling, don't they? Right. Because when you have a situation where children are influencing their parents and that situation, the magnitude of those effects are are heightened uh, for uh, non-white families or for families that are sort of in at lower socioeconomic levels, then from a public policy perspective, it, I think some light bulbs might go off, you know, in terms of what are the civic education interventions that we can do specifically for those students and for those families that might encourage the trickle up effects that we're already seeing. As is often discussed, and it's in reality, at least in Washington, that there is uh, there are so few issues on which the parties can agree. This seems like there might be some promise for that to to develop something, whether at the the local, state, or even federal level, to some extent, as an even greater encouragement for civic education. Yeah, you would, you would, you would certainly think so. I mean, uh, it's uh, uh, the the other thing too that's interesting is um, what, from again from a public policy perspective, um, we have ways to reach students, uh, of course, through schools, right? When it comes to civics education. Uh, you know, Arizona, of course, is is one of the states that requires a civics exam for graduation. Um, other states of, you know, there's there's about 40, I think, now that require some type of civics course taught in schools. Um, but the, there's always been this sort of question, how do you how do you affect adults? Uh, you know, if you're trying to encourage uh, adults to become more civically engaged, if you're trying to uh, sort of improve the, the the civic outcomes for adults, how do you how do you do that? Uh, so this is another uh, kind of for policymakers. You start to think, wow, civic engagement or civic interventions in schools can actually affect adults. There are spillover effects that that happen for entire families and 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 you know possibly for entire communities. So um yeah, I think public policymakers really should be intrigued by these findings at, at all the levels that you mentioned, Steve. So I'm someone who was greatly influenced by the trickle down. Was that your experience as well? It was. It you know it was to some to some degree. Yeah, I, I would say so. You know, my parents uh, took me to vote uh, with them as well. Um, but you know, really for me, I think it was more uh, school. Uh, for me, I had a teacher uh, in high school who uh, started me, Steve, reading the New York Times. Wow. And I uh, he he just used to read it, and uh, you know, I I had asked him one day about it, and. Uh, he just gave me the copy and I and I went to the op-ed page and I've been hooked ever since. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, trickle down for me, for sure, parents. Uh, but but I was one of those um, kids for whom uh, a teacher really mattered in in this uh, in this case. That's great. The O'Connor Institute has had a huge impact, certainly in Arizona, but across the country, but not necessarily with reports and studies like this. What are your ambitions going forward? Is there more to come? Yeah, there is there is more to come, and and you're you're right. You know the the O'Connor Institute. You know, Justice O'Connor uh, founded the institute with the mission of advancing American democracy, and and historically the institute has done that largely by, by um, kind of uh, being a convener of 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 expert voices like your own, Steve, for example, um, to talk about you know various uh, public policy topics. Um, and to sort of provide for our audience uh, sort of that nonpartisan 
um, you know, perspective where we can bring together the best voices from all different sides of a topic and that our audience can hopefully then leave thinking that they've got the information that they need to, 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 to sort of make up their own minds. But when it came to civics, we just saw an opportunity here. The, the interesting thing, Steve, is that you, there's just not nearly the amount of civics research and data that you would think. And, and uh, hopefully the, this changes in the future now that we have all these uh, states that are starting different civics uh, exams and civics courses. Hopefully we'll have more data that we can use to be the basis of this research so that we can refine public policy. But yeah, the Institute saw an opportunity here to advance American democracy, not only by being sort of a purveyor of knowledge, but also helping to produce it, to create it. I think with the idea that the more that we know about civics, uh, the the better public policies we can shape. And so that's sort of the motivation behind what we're doing. So, yes, we're looking forward to more studies, um, you know, uh, one that one uh, idea that we're kind of bandying about is um, this notion of we hear a lot about uh, how civil discourse is so important. We would like to sort of investigate whether civil discourse, in in addition to being, as I would argue, sort of an a priori good, you know, it's just better to be civil than incivil. But does it actually help you get more done in a public policy arena? More to come there, but yeah, we're excited. We're excited going going forward to to be contributing to this conversation. That's great. Liam Julian, Director of Public Policy for the O'Connor Institute. Liam, thanks so much for the time. Good luck. No, thanks, Steve. This was really enjoyable. Thanks again to Liam Julian, the O'Connor Institute's Director of Public Policy. To find the report we were talking about, go to O'ConnorInstitute.org. To listen to previous editions of AZ Politicast, please search Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And when you find AZ Politicast, please subscribe, rate, and review. To give me guests and topic suggestions, please send an email to azpoliticast at gmail.com. That's azpoliticast at gmail.com. Music for this podcast is from Epidemic Sound. Thanks for listening to AZ Politicast. I'm Steve Goldstein.